Hi folks, it's Andy, the analytical preacher. We know that being tempted, being tested, itself is not a sin. And we know this because the Bible says that Jesus was tempted or tested. The word that's translated tempted can really be sort of translated either way. We know the Bible says that Jesus was tempted or that he was tested and yet was without sin. And you'll find that in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. But the temptation, the test, is literally just this opportunity. You've been presented with a choice. You've been presented with an opportunity. You've been even presented with a chance to think about breaking God's will. And so the question is, when does thinking about, when does a thought become a sin? Because we know we can be tempted, we can be tested and not sin. We know that. But we also know from different verses, including Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, that words and thoughts themselves can be sinful. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, I'll read a part of verse 22, verse 28. Jesus says, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Verse 28, Jesus again, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So what we have to figure out is when is an opportunity, when is a test, when is a quote-unquote temptation, when does that bleed over into now we're sinning against God? We know we can be tempted and not sin because Jesus was, but how do we know the difference? I think it's useful to look at what James wrote in his letter in the New Testament. As a reminder, James was the half-brother of Jesus. He had the same mother in Mary, but Joseph was his biological father. James, in the first chapter of his letter, verses 14 and 15, writes this, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So I think that helps us to begin to narrow in on this idea of when does a thought become a sin? Because if it's something that I have no interest in, I have no desire in, and so for many of you, you may say, I've never had any interest in drinking alcohol. I've never had any interest in using drugs. And so to me, sitting in a bar with someone waiting for something or being at other people's houses when everyone else is drinking, that's not a test for me. That's not a temptation for me because I just have no desire to do it. And so in that case, you can be around booze or even maybe people using drugs. Not sure you should be around people using drugs, but you can do that. And it may not be a true temptation for you. And it's probably not a a way that your thoughts could lead you into sin. But we all have some desires, desires for revenge or need for approval, sexual desires, the greed for more money or more possessions, all of these things, with some of those things, we all would associate. We know we have desires in those areas, and we could quickly see how that would lead us to sin. So let me sort of start with kind of a silly example I gave to a youth group one time. Let's say you're really hungry, and you don't have lunch. You're really hungry. You go to the refrigerator at work, and there's a nice meal in there. Maybe let's take it one step farther. You go into the break room at your work, and someone has just microwaved a nice meal and set it on the counter and walked away, and you're hungry, and the aroma from that microwave meal is just filling your nostrils. 
And clearly you say, we would say, if you grab that meal and you run off and you eat it and you throw the evidence away, that's clearly a sin. That's stealing by anybody's definition. If you walk into that break room and you smell that food and you say to yourself, my, would that be delicious right now? It's hungry as I am. And that's my favorite food. And it smells absolutely wonderful. And I've been in here for a few minutes and nobody's come back to claim it. And it's getting cold. But, you know, that would absolutely be wrong. So what I really need to do is get myself out of this room because that smell is eventually going to drive me crazy. And I need to go buy a pack of crackers from the vending machine or something. I don't believe in any way that you sin. To say that you're really hungry and you smell delicious food and that you wouldn't think to yourself, wow, that smells really good. And, you know, that would fix my hunger. I don't believe that that's a sin. But I think there is a middle ground between saying that smells great and I'm going to steal that run off and eat it and hide the evidence. I think there is that middle ground where our thoughts, as Christ was saying, really can become a sin. You look around to see if anybody's looking or you honestly say to yourself, if I didn't think I would get caught, I would pick that up and eat it. But there's probably a camera right out in the hall that would catch me with the evidence or somebody might walk in. And or they might smell it on my breath or whatever when the person comes back to finally get their food. Some ways I would get busted. Now, stealing food from the work break room might be a silly idea, and I understand that. But we can take it into different areas. That's just an example. Let's go back to the examples from Matthew 5. What about getting angry at your brother or your sister or your coworker or your neighbor? The Bible doesn't say that anger itself is sin, but the Bible does say in your anger, do not sin. It says that in both the Old and the New Testaments. What would make anger a sin? Well, if my anger causes me to act, it causes me, as Jesus says in the sermon, it causes me to begin to cuss or berate my brother or my neighbor, then it's clearly become a sin. But even if my anger just says to me, I wish I could do something, but that person is bigger than me, so I can't physically strike them because then they'll just beat me up. Or I wish I could do something. I don't have the means to do it. I don't have the courage to do it. I'm afraid of the consequences of doing it. But really and truly, if I could structure the environment as such, I would like to seek revenge on that person. I'm not going to do it because I can't get everything worked out to my satisfaction. And Jesus is going, oh yeah, you're liable to judgment when it gets to that point. And obviously Jesus's other example was sexual attraction. Most animals that God made, and this includes humans, we are designed to pair up and we are designed to mate and to procreate and make little babies. And so it is natural that at some point we will be attracted to someone else. It is the biology of the world in which we live. If you see someone and you say, well, that's a good looking fella or that's a, that's a nice looking lady. I don't know that that in itself is a sin. It's sort of hard to see someone and not think, well, that's a nice handsome fellow or that's a nice looking lady. I'm not sure that that's it. I think where the sin comes is when we say, now I want to dwell on that. I'm going to bring that person's thought back up in my mind instead of just seeing it and going, oh yeah. And then moving on as I sit on the subway ride home and I'm bored. I'm going to think about that person that I saw who I thought was so attractive and the features about them that I thought were so attractive. Of course, if it's someone famous or whatever, and there's some way that you could see them nude, if they were in some movie or something, you're like, oh yeah, I want to go see that person. But even if you can't literally see them nude, but you know that you would, 
If you see someone and you say, wow, I like that. They're very attractive, whatever. Now you allow yourself to kind of focus on that thought instead of diverting your attention off to something else. And you're like, I wish there was a way that I could see them. I wish I could get their phone and look through their pictures and see or whatever it is that you would do. Obviously, of course, if you engage in sexual activity with that person outside of being married to them in a one man, one woman marriage, the Bible says that you have sinned. But what Jesus is saying is you don't actually have to engage in the physical act of sex if you are lusting after them. And Jesus said, he gives us a clue, with intent in your heart. In other words, if I could, I would have sex with that person. If their spouse wouldn't find out and my spouse wouldn't find out and my kids would never cry and scream at me for hurting mommy so bad, you know what? In a weak moment, I absolutely would. If I could figure out how to do it, I would work it where I could have sex with that person or I would at least work it where I could flirt with that person or I would at least try to get a a vision of them without their clothes on with that person. Then I think clearly and quickly our thought of I'm a boy, I'm attracted to girls, God made me that way, etc. And I see someone and wow, they're a nice looking person. Okay, that can quickly move from, well, I'm not just, I don't just admire that car that you've got, but I'm really jealous of that car that you've got. And I don't think it's fair that you have it and that I don't have it. And I wish that I did have it. And I think when we get in that mindset, we've slipped from just having a thought, wow, look, the neighbor got a nice new car. Wow, look, I'm hungry and that food is sitting right there unattended. Wow, look, that person seems to be attractive and it almost looks like she looked over at me on the subway. I think that's how we go from it being a sin or it being an opportunity to sin, it being a test for us to sin to us failing the test. So I'll just wrap it up this way. Smelling nice food and being hungry, seeing an attractive person, admiring the promotion or the new possession that your neighbor or your friend has, clearly not a sin. The opportunity to sin is not a sin. The test to sin is not a sin. But when we let our thoughts dwell on it, when we take action, or even if we wish we could take action, maybe we even try to figure out how to take some action. When we begin to skirt that line a little bit, again, we begin to flirt with the person, even if we don't have any quote unquote intentions of having full intercourse with them, as we begin to flirt with them and bring them back up in our mind and start to have fantasies about them, then I think we've clearly crossed the line from we were presented with an opportunity in everyday life to be tested, to having failed that test with sinful thoughts that Jesus says are just as serious in his book as the sinful actions themselves would be if we had figured out a way to act on those sinful ideas. I hope that helps on this topic when a thought becomes a sin. Until next time, this is Andy.